I'm Laura Max Rose, mother of two, and you're listening to Look Ma No Hands, my candid dispatches from the front lines of motherhood. I ask the real, tough, honest questions on motherhood-related topics that we're all wanting to know more about, in hopes it will make everyone's journey fulfilling, easier, and more joyful. If you're not a mom, welcome. I want you to know how happy I am that you're listening and that these topics can be applied to any season of life. I'm grateful you're along for the ride. Welcome back to Look My No Hands. I'm joined today by Latina Baxter. Welcome to the show, Latina. Thank you. Latina is the founder and owner of Marley and Moo Maternity. You provide doula services from, you know, prepartum. What do you refer to that? <laughs> Was it prepartum? So, um, peri, well, the perinatal perinatal, phase? Natal, yeah. Okay. Preconception. Preconception. <laughs> so from the moment people are, decide that they're trying to conceive all the way through once they've had the baby and they're in their postpartum period. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody, you know, if we know what a birth doula is, we often think of a birth doula being with us for labor and delivery, but we don't really consider um, that a doula is actually a source of support from the very beginning of your pregnancy journey all the way through after you've had a kid. So that's what I'm so excited to talk to you about today because you offer services like postpartum doulas, mm-hmm. sibling doulas, and um, different services that I think so many women who are who've just had a baby can benefit from. You also have five of your own children, I two do. whom came out of you, <laughs> and three <laughs> that are adopted. Did any of them have anything to do with why you started Marley and Moo? So yes, my daughter, um, who's named Marley. Um, So that kind of comes where that's where Marley and Moo comes from. Um, But she kind of inspired Marley and Moo. I was in this transition stage of working, you know, corporate America nine to five. And if I can just be honest with you, I just never really knew where my passion was right Right. in life. And, um, and I had my daughter and I had a great birth experience, but the postpartum was somewhat of a struggle. And so I was going through that transition and I would call it kind of like my early thirties midlife crisis, right? Like, this is not what I want to do with the rest of my life. This nine to five corporate America sit in a box, you know, yeah. forever. And that, and um, I also find that having a baby definitely brings that on in oh, women, sure. especially like if we're stuck in any area of our life, we're done. Like yeah. we have that baby and we're like, okay, we're redoing this. Exactly. We're going to have a different career now. I'm exactly. not wasting my time anymore. Yeah. Because it got to the point where like I would come home at 7 PM. She's getting ready to go to bed, you know, within the next hour. And then I wake up, I see her for an hour, then I'm off to work again. And I just, it just didn't work for me. And um, so my regular nine to five was HR and it was going through, I worked for oil and gas at the time. And, you know, there's highs and lows with oil and gas being here in Houston. I think we all know that. And so I was on the opposite side of it, having to let people go. And that just, woof, it killed me. Especially when you have hormones. Yeah, (laughs) it killed me. So. I was sitting in my office or sitting outside in the parking garage one day and I called my husband and I was literally bawling and I sat outside my office for an hour and a half. I don't think I went in until like 1045 and I could not bring myself to get out of the car. And I knew at that point, I was like, I cannot continue to do this. Or if I continue to do it, I can't continue to do it in this way. And Mm -hmm. so my husband, the only thing he could say is like, well, what do you want to do? And then I think that made me cry even more because I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I just knew I wanted to be, um, have something that I was passionate about. And I've always had a passion for pregnancy. and babies. Even before you were pregnant? Yes. Okay. So when I was in high school, I actually was on the career path to become an OBGYN. You're kidding. I yeah. didn't know that about you. So I did early, you know, AP classes for medically focused, you know, p- careers. Yeah. And, um, 
And I decided early on that I wanted a family. So I knew that that wasn't going to work either, working those 24-hour days and things like that. But I had no idea what a doula was, no idea what a midwife was. And so I just somehow ended up in HR. Yeah, there were... <laughs> I don't know. There were all these other options, though. <laughs> right. That's so funny. Right. And you just don't know about them. So you're you're um, you go with what you know. And yeah. being a doctor was the only thing that I knew of at the time. Um, so after I had my daughter, um, my husband introduced me to natural birth. And he, I actually, you know, give the business really to him because he's the I say he's the original founder of it. Right. So he told me about natural birth and what that looked like um, and introduced me to the movie The Business of Being Born by Ricky Lake, which is awesome. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Um, And yeah, it kind of just took over from there. And I said, I can do this. I think I can do this. And I uh, went to a yoga training. One of my girlfriends said, you'd be an amazing doula. And I was like, I don't know about that. And I worked nine to five in a corporate office. And how would I do that? How would I juggle that? And the universe just worked itself out. I um, started putting my feelers out there for other jobs. I got hired for a um, HR job that worked from home. And so it kind of opened up this space for me to be able to go to births in the middle of the night and then be up and active back at home working at my desk, you know, so cool in HR. So yeah, yeah, the universe just kind of provided. Well, I think a lot of people listening to this, the intention of this interview wasn't even necessarily to hear that story, but we'll hear that because they are postpartum and feel so much hope because I know very few women who don't have some sort of personal transformation that sort of starts out with a personal crisis after they have a kid. And to just hear you say that, you know, the universe like opened the doors once you realize what you wanted to do. Yeah. I'm a huge believer in that. Like put it out there, even as crazy as it sounds, you know, put it out there and just watch it unfold, you know, but you really have to believe in it. Yeah. Let's start from the beginning. Some people listening to this don't even know what a birth doula is, Mm -hmm. um, which is very common that they wouldn't. But I'm assuming you are really hoping to change the game around that because I think most women really need that kind of support. What is a birth doula? Yeah. So I always say that it's kind of like a Sherpa, right? But in the birth space. I love it. (laughs) So we can, we guide you, we educate you, we help you get there, right? But we can't do it for you. So you have to actually take the journey, right, if you will, on your own. And so we're there to hold your hand, we're there to encourage you, give you confidence and the education to get there. But ultimately, it's up to you. And pursue whatever type of birth you're hoping to have, which is different for so many kinds of women. Medicated birth, unmedicated birth. Do you push a certain one or the other? Or are you just educating and letting people choose? Yeah. So that's kind of what makes Marley and Mood different in the way that I like to operate my business. And um, we don't push Okay. Either way. So um, it's what about you? Did you ever have an unmedicated birth? I had two. Oh, my God. Okay, but how did you not die? Because (laughs) I got to four centimeters without and it was barely four centimeters without an epidural. And I was like, but I will just literally take a knife and cut this. I'm gonna die. Like I thought the pain was going to break me. And I asked the valet driver, like I, I pulled into the hospital. I was like sitting in the back of my husband's car and we pulled into the hospital and the, I asked the valet for an epidural. And my husband had to explain to me that the valet actually can't administer an epidural. Right. And it was like three hours later until I was able to get one. And right. I was so proud of myself. I don't know. I think about like the baby actually coming out and being completely 
able to feel that? Like, what is that even like? Is it It, amazing? It is amazing. It is. And I think for a lot of women, what we need to understand is that our bodies are made to do this. So it starts with like that general education, right? And understanding that you can do this. And it's so empowering when it does happen. Now, I'm not here to say, you know, birth one way or the other, but I will tell you from my experience with the natural birth and my recovery aspect and watching women recover from medicated versus natural births. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a huge difference, right? So it's amazing. And from a spiritual perspective, when you're able to tune into yourself yeah, and get into what I like to call the zone and really go there and follow your intuition and just tap into like the creator, like it's, I mean, you get downloads, you get, you go through like euphoria, you go through all while you're laboring. euphoria. Because I experience like, do I have to get past four centimeters for the euphoria to kick in? Sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah. So there's like a transition phase right before transition that women don't flip this around so we can hear you go ahead that women don't know about. Um, and it's, it does it, um, it, you go through like this euphoric, um, state and then some people even experience what's called orgasmic birth. Really? Uh-huh. What is orgasmic birth? Well, you have an orgasm when you're birthing. Really? Mm-hmm. That kind of makes sense. Like from the, by, like just the sheer mechanics of having a baby, right. it makes sense that you would. Okay. Yeah. So if you go through, if you kind of, um, think about it from that perspective, so we, we birth a baby, like we make a baby. Right. Yeah, right. So the, as they came in, they come out, they come out. Right. Okay. And so a lot of the things that we have to tap into in order to conceive orgasm, you know, reach those higher states of elation, uh-huh. you do the same thing in birth. Right? So you said that like even the recovery, if, if the, if the birth is unmedicated, the recovery is actually even easier. Yes. Elaborate. Yes. So when you go through an unmated, unmedicated birth, and um, you don't have that experience of having these, um, the different false hormones, if you will, interjected into your experience, you are able to recover quicker. Your hormones rebalance themselves in a different way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have the fake oxytocin, which is uh, Pitocin, if you've okay. ever heard of that. Pitocin is fake oxytocin? It's fake o- oxytocin. I did not know that. Yes. So okay. it's basically trying to create that feeling that we need to, in, or the oxytocin is used in order to open up the cervix okay. and to help the mom's birth. But if we don't have that pumping through us, they administer Pitocin. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, the med- the, um, recovery period is, is, is greatly different. I have actually have... heard that it's much easier Yes, that like women who I know who have done this, which actually are just women like friends of friends, because I don't think anyone in my immediate circle has had a natural delivery. Um, like attracts like, I guess, but you know, I would love to be the first one. No, actually I I'm kidding. Several of my cousins have done this naturally and they've all Two of them are birth doulas and they were my birth doulas. They're on the second episode of this podcast and they're like, next time we're doing it without an epidural. Love it. I can't. I can't. (laughs) Um, I would really, I really want to. I really want to. It's like a dream of mine. I just got to get past that block. So you work with women from like the moment they find out they're pregnant or even when they're trying to conceive actually. Right. So building up to this moment of the birthing and you're there with them. What happens when someone really wants an unmedicated birth? They've been very clear about that the whole time. And they're halfway through delivery and they're like, I'm never mind. Yeah. Where, what do you say to them in that moment? 
So it depends on where we are in the birth. Okay. It, it never looks the same okay. depending on the mom. Um, but depending on where we are in the birth, um, usually if they're a little bit further along, let's say they're meeting transition, because that's usually when we start to hear it. So okay. there's a phase in birth that's called transition. It's the shortest period of birth. It's when you're basically going from eight to 10 centimeters. Okay. okay. So it's the shortest. And after that, your body actually allows itself to rest before the pushing phase kicks in. Okay. okay. So if we get to that phase, I usually look at them <laughs> and I get in their face and that's when kind of the, the, the drill sergeant or the basketball coach in me kind of comes out. Right. Yeah. And I tell them, I'm like, no, you got this, you know, you can do this. You're already doing it. Let's just, let's keep doing it. Let's rock it out. You but know? there are obviously some cases where you're like, all right, you there do are. not got this. Yes. Okay. There are some all cases right. where we have to say, you know, let's just be real and yeah. let's, and, 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 and it depends on the family again. Okay. So I've had situations where moms have been stalled, like you said, at four centimeters and they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Already yeah. four centimeters don't want to do it. Well, if you start to pressure a mom into doing, you know, continuing along the natural path and they're, they cannot get into their zone it actually inhibits birth from going the way you want it to. Okay? okay. So it can continue to stall. It can make um, your mom have a, a terrible experience with her birth and cause lots of trauma. Oh, right? we do not want that. So we don't want that. Okay. So I've seen medicine do amazing things mm-hmm. in the birth space, but it is exactly that. It's a medical intervention when, and it should only be used when necessary. Do you ever facilitate home births? I do. Okay. So here's something I've always wanted to know about this. I know someone who had a home birth like everybody else who's had a home birth said it was the most magical, incredible thing in her entire life. What happens though, when someone has a home birth and they really do need a medical intervention, what are the, what's the procedure for that? Yeah. So normally um, what happens, you want to make sure when you're picking a midwife. Okay. So I don't believe in unassisted births at all. Okay. And that's usually when moms, you know, try to go into this whole thing with just themselves. Are you kidding? People try to deliver babies at home by themselves. Okay. And, and I just, I don't believe in that because I find great value in, in yeah. medicine sometimes right. when yeah. it's necessary. Yeah. So um, that's the first thing. You want to find a midwife that is connected with the hospital, okay, uh-huh. and that has um, a connection that if something were to happen, they can immediately contact a doctor and get you into somewhere. Okay. Um, so a lot of the home births that we work with too, they live close to the medical center here in Houston. And so that helps with that transition if anything were to happen. I personally have not seen that happen. Okay. Okay. We haven't had any clients that have needed to um, seek out an emergency situation, but it does. Do you feel like those two things are related that maybe emergency situations are almost more likely to happen in a hospital? Like because of the, you're looking at me like, "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) so Mm. yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I appreciate your candor. Yes. And, um, you know, if you have doctors that listen to this, they're probably going to freak out and say, no, more emergencies happen in um, birth centers and home births. And, and it really, honestly, it's not the case. So, um, our bodies, again, were made to do this. And again, medical interventions are necessary when they're needed, but the majority of women actually have the ability to birth their babies with limited medical intervention. Um, so when you start to do epidurals and you start to introduce Pitocin and, um, you know, you start talking about speeding up labor, Uh you know, um, that's when the body can't do what it needs to do. I mean, it goes through a series of hormones and different, um, different stages in labor. And when you start to interject into those, it doesn't allow the body to do and process labor as it should. Okay. Interesting. So So I, 
let's move into the postpartum window of what you do. Um, I'm going to just enlighten anyone who doesn't know on my first birth experience, which I also talk about on my other episode with the doula. Um, I had this experience that like most women who, I mean, I, I don't even, I feel like more than half of my friends have almost had this exact same experience. I'm 41 weeks. I'm not progressing quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And, um, I get induced and nothing's happening. And 30 hours later, um, there's the baby's in fetal stress. Her heartbeat is, is getting faster. I'm getting a fever. There's suspicions of an infection and I end up getting a C-section. I'm as swollen as they come because I've had more anesthesia pumped into my body than you could possibly imagine. I couldn't, my mom actually had to buy me like size 10 male flip-flops to go to my first doctor's appointment. I was a total mess. I mean, I mean this like not lightly, like I was destroyed after this labor. And then the idea of holding my baby and having to be there for her, it was impossible. It was impossible. So I got her home after about five days in the hospital. And I remember her being next to me and just being like, I can't help you. Like I can't, I can't move. Like I'm in so much pain. I've never been, that was the single worst night of my life was the first night I was home from the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I called my mom and I was like, I need to get a night nurse, which is a postpartum doula, um, which I had not arranged beforehand. And if you don't arrange them beforehand, they're extremely expensive. Um, And I found an agency who provided basically someone came to my house and stayed with me overnight um, at that time for two nights because it was, again, extremely expensive because we didn't book in ahead of time. Um, And I, I, she was like my angel. Her name was Brenda. She was like my absolute angel. But then she was gone and it was kind of like back to square one again. And I was healing from this major surgery and really feeling unable, but absolutely having to take care of my baby. So you provide postpartum doula services, and most people don't even know what that is. So with my second child, the second I found out I was pregnant, I went and called around to find someone to stay at our home overnight for, I think it was about four or five weeks. And most people listening to this, if they know me, this might be their first time knowing that I did that because I didn't share it with very many people. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of shame, a lot of judgment, a lot of stigma. You have somebody, you can't take care of your own kid. This is part of the process. Like it's part of the love that you have for your baby. You stay awake from them. And I'm like, listen, I know myself really well. If I lose that amount of sleep, like that type of sleep depression, I'm go sleep deprivation, I'm going to end up with depression. Yep. Um, and on top of that, like I have to be able to take care of myself so I can better take care of this baby. Um, and having this woman stay with me was just, it was a night and day experience. I got home from the hospital. She was there. She stayed with us every night for four or five weeks. I felt so taken care of myself as a mom and my experience with my second was just profoundly turned around. Mm -hmm. So you offer these types of services as well. Um, Up to eight weeks, you were mentioning typically. So normally um, we will provide these services for moms up to eight weeks, but we'll go deeper if we need to. So if it's longer where, because sometimes postpartum depression, anxiety, OCD doesn't kick in until it can kick in up to a year after the baby's born. And a lot of women don't know that. So if they start to experience these symptoms, then yes, we can come in and help facilitate that. But the postpartum doula essentially is your mother's helper. Yeah. Right. Um, we come in and we help with the transition of bringing home baby. We help to make sure that you're mentally and physically taking care of yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have lots of moms that me even, I think I would go through a whole day and be like, I haven't showered. 
<laughs> I haven't eaten. No, yeah, not even close. I think yeah. the only thing I put in my mouth was like a piece of a banana, you know? Yeah, eating. Like it was the hardest thing to do. Yeah. And so the postpartum doula will come in and assist with that and make sure that you're taking care of yourself because if you're not taking care of, the baby's not taken care of. And this right? is, was pre- fairly standard procedure, I feel like, in until modern history. Oh, yeah. And I was going to touch on that. Yeah. So think back to when we were birthing in huts. Oh, my God. People <laughs> right? were taking care of mom. Exactly. In it other was, cultures, it's completely different ex- than it is in America. Exactly. It was a, it's uh, when a mom was pregnant in, you know, the tribal times, the, the entire tribe of women would come and they would be be in there and they would birth with the mom and they would stay with the mom and the mom was not allowed to leave her space for, you know, up to 40 plus days, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was, that is because we understand the need to care for ourselves when we go through this transition to motherhood. And in Western civilization, we just, we think, oh, I'm back at it. You know, certain states, we're here in Texas and we don't even get anything longer than, you know, six weeks or eight weeks to take care of our, you know, ourselves yeah. after baby. And, um, we're just expected to go back at it, you know, be per- the perfect mom on Instagram. Right. You like, know, Instagram is totally like up, up the ante around that. Oh because gosh. I should just be like, my kid should be in matching neutrals holding like a pacifier that also is a neutral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. All day. Like, and first of all, my child was in a onesie like that was Carter's brand, like with a bunch of little flowers yeah. on it until she was like eight months old. Like it just wasn't it wasn't something like it's, a priority. Yeah. No, yeah. It's totally unrealistic the expectation that we put on ourselves. Right. And so the postpartum doula will come in and help with that, help with that transition and tell you that it's okay to be just normal. And sometimes when we when we have our um, discussions with our moms about what postpartum looks like, we'll say, you know, there might be a time when you are holding this baby and you realize this really sucks. Yeah. And for you to be able to express that to somebody, that's difficult for a lot of moms, right? But right. that postpartum doula can be there to say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it does. And nobody's, and with no judgment, right? right? And then to make sure that you're taken care of and then take the extra steps to make sure that the partner knows that you're having a difficult day. Right. And to and to know signs to look out for. Because it is very difficult for the partner, which who who tends to be male in some cases is female, Mm -hmm. but certainly in my case is male. And it's hard for him to like really understand what I'm experiencing, no matter how close we are. It's very difficult for him to really get how challenging it is yes. to have just had a baby. Well, because they don't experience the they same thing. They don't get it. Yeah. And they, it's, they can't. No, they can't. And, yeah. and it's difficult to put into words. Right. Um, it's a true hormonal imbalance. Some people think we're just being excessive and crazy, but <laughs> it's not. We really are having going through a shift. Our bodies, what happens in postpartum, your body actually goes through. So think of yourself as like a walking incubator when you're pregnant. Uh-huh. Okay. So traditional Chinese medicine method teaches us the hot and cold state. Okay, right. so that's what your body is going through. Immediately after moms have a baby, they go into cold state. Okay, so the baby comes out, placenta detaches and comes out as well. And then we shift, our hormones actually shift. And so what's happening, the moms go into shock. Okay. And wow. that, that's what you're, that's what's happening to your body. So if you've ever been at a birth or I don't know if you remember your birth experience, but after your baby came out their moms get start to shake. Right. Yeah. Both so, times. Mm-hmm. Yep. I always thought that was related to the anesthesia. Nope. Okay. Nope. Interesting. Natural labors have it as well. Okay. And it's, it's basically the shift in the shock that's happening to their system. 
Okay, so in postpartum, we have to reintroduce heat therapy. We have to um, take care of the body in a certain way. And, and I think we're going to lead into this discussion here in a second. But we have to do certain things to bring heat back to the body so that the hormones start to... I mean, I'm listening to you and I'm yeah. like, when you think about the fact that most women in this country, and I'm like, I don't know what the stats are, but like, it has to be in the nineties, go through all of this by themselves. They yes. don't have like any of the support that you're referencing right now. They literally have a baby in the hospital and they go the F home. And like that's, and I only say F because I don't want to have to mark this episode as explicit because that makes it difficult for people to find it on Apple podcasts. But, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, it's a hard F. Um, I that it boggles my mind. Um, and these services, I feel so strongly, should be provide. I mean, they shouldn't. I certainly shouldn't have been at home like needing something that was so unbelievably expensive and like at the last minute. I mean, we're we're screwing women by doing like by not taking care of them. Like the fact that a baby is born into the world and mom who has just had this like huge shocking thing happen is just like like disregarded and and we've made so much progress we have not but enough. like oh my god not enough not enough and i think um it it goes to um you know how we i don't want to i don't i just don't want i don't want to blame the insurance companies and the medical companies and things like that but they don't they don't put enough into it they yeah i kind of want to blame them though because yeah. like they make things so expensive and right. then like the hospital's kind of worried about things from that perspective mm-hmm. as opposed to actually doing like taking care of the people in the hospital. That's exactly right. Right. So they don't cover holistic care. Yeah. You know, my, I had my son, um, well, I had my daughter with a midwife, but at a hospital. So mm-hmm. that was covered um, because it was in a hospital setting. But with my son, I decided I wanted to do it in a birth center. And they didn't cover a dime. Six, oh my it was $6,000 out of yeah. pocket that I had to pay to birth my, my son. And um, the fact that they make women, you make know. Make that kind of decision. Right. Because most people just are like, okay, fine. Then I'm going to have to have the baby in the hospital. Like, it's just not a choice. It's not. Yeah. yeah. And it should be. We should yeah. have choices. They should open up the the um, options to women to birth however they want to. Because it really does. Like you were talking about your first birth. Your birth does impact how you go into motherhood and it goes into your, it it impacts the relationship that you have with your children. Sometimes, you know, um, we see a difference in relationships between moms that have a great experience or versus a traumatic experience with their births. And it's, it's nobody's fault. It just, it is what it is. And so why not create that beautiful birth experience, you know, give a mom their best birth. Yeah. At yeah. all times. I also want to say, though, if you are listening to this and you had a really traumatic birth experience, I had that with my first. And like that child and I are very, very, like we are bonded more than just at the hip. Yeah. You know, we, but I, I had to overcome a lot for that to happen. And I just want people to understand that. Um, it was so difficult for me. And I know that I would have been able to be more of the mom that I am if I had had a more nurturing and supportive birth experience, which is why it was so important for me to have that with my second. Yes. It wasn't impossible to overcome. And I love that girl more than anything in the entire world. But like, man, it was hard. Yeah. I mean, and that, that, that needs to be said. It was so hard. I, I could barely get up and walk when I got home from the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> so it was difficult. So you were talking about, you know, you offer a postpartum doula service, but you also have a, a wrap. What is it? What type of wrap is it? So it's the Benkung. Okay. Um, and I'm, I, I'm not Malaysian, so I'm probably saying that That's incorrectly. Okay. It's better than I would have done. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, but we, uh, it's a, uh, it's Benkung belly bind. Um, okay. And basically what we're doing is we're resealing the body back together. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Okay. So, um, during pregnancy, we have a hormone that runs through our body called relaxin and it causes our bones to kind of separate and spread. It's what helps the pelvic to open up. It's when, why our joints kind of hurt a little yes, bit when we're pregnant. Yes. Okay. You, yeah. you shift your teeth uh-huh. shift. You've yeah. got, you know, um, dental issues there. So yes, that hormone is what causes all that. So okay. after baby, we go and we do um, the Bencoom belly bind. And it also comes with a tummy paste, which is a warming paste. So again, bringing heat back into the body. And so you place that on the womb. Mm-hmm. brings warmth to the womb and then we bind the mother from their hips up to right underneath their breast okay yeah and so what that's doing is it helps with postpartum recovery it helps with the healing by bringing the bones back together it helps with what is called diastasis recti which is the separation which I have yes yes, yes I do too yeah it, it happens but it can be healed and corrected without plastic surgery. Okay. Um, so diastasis recti will, it, it helps with that. And then it helps to push out any gas buildup, lochia, which is the buildup that we get um, from being pregnant. It helps to expel that at a faster rate so that women can heal quicker. Wow. That's amazing. And then also you, there's another, there's another procedure. What is it? There's something on your website. The V steam. The V steam. steam. Yes. yes. The vaginal steam. Okay. That's what the V is. The vaginal yes. steam. Uh-huh. Okay. I thought that was just on goop. Okay. <laughs> watched goop last night and I love goop. I need to watch it. Apparently it's amazing. It's really good. So, um, so yeah, so the vaginal steam is great. Um, what that's doing is bringing oxygenated air into your body through your womb. Okay. Okay. So you sit, basically sit over a steam pot. Okay. And you allow the air to flow, flow up, (laughs) flow Uh upwards and, and it heals you from inside out. Okay. Okay. Wow. Can people so, like that? I'm asking this for personal reasons. Like if people don't necessarily use your services as like a birth doula, they can just do these two proceed. Like they can have you do the wrap. Like you can yes, come or you only. Abs- absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So we do a la carte services. They can come, they can hire us just for V steams, banking binds, um, or, you know, postpartum recovery as well. We also do herbal baths, right? Okay. So that help with again, bringing heat to the body, but it, it helps to relax the mom and bring her into, you know, a state of, of wellness. Um, and so, yeah. So you also provide something called a sibling doula, which I had never even heard of until I went on your website last night, preparing for this interview. Mm -hmm. Um, tell us more about that. And I'm sure like everyone who's already had kids and is having another one is like, what do I do with my children? Yes. So you kind of answer that question. Yes. So, um, we get a lot of moms that are our second time moms and being in business for five years. Now we have a lot of repeat clients. Like Mm -hmm. I've got clients that are on like their third babies now with us. And so they're, when, um, when they're in a space where they're, they don't have family friends, um, to care for the children or the older children, then that's where a sibling doula comes in. And so what we do is we help to care for the kids while birth happens. So they're on call just like a labor doula would be. Right. Um, They're available during the entire phase of the labor to care for the older sibling. And they will help to um, educate the sibling if you want, just depending Mm -hmm. on what the parents want. But they'll help to educate the sibling on what labor looks like and help with their transition to say, oh, you know, you're meeting your new, your your baby brother, your baby sister. And, you know, are you excited? And they start to introduce those thoughts and those ideas so that when the baby comes home, they're a little bit more acclimated. Well, I mean, because so many of us are totally in the dark when it comes to that. We know like a few things to do with the sibling, but then like it really hits home when you come home. And I had to quarantine my kids like from each other because my daughter, my oldest daughter had a fever and when Violet was a newborn and 
it was horrifying. Like, like she couldn't even see her baby sister. Was so I was like, where are the instructions for this? Right. And I was like breaking my back trying to make sure Selma understood like it wasn't about her, but she was only two and a half. It was just like a nightmare. So I definitely feel like sibling doula services are necessary. Yes. For sure. Okay. So I feel like we've all heard like Hollywood celebrities talk about consuming their placenta after they have a baby. And it's this super like taboo, weird subject. It's kind of coming more into the mainstream. Um, But there has been a lot of evidence to show that doing so will actually help prevent postpartum depression. And now we there's there are services, they're offered at my very Western OBGYN's office to encapsulate placenta so that a woman can consume her own placenta and ideally um, help stave off those symptoms. You provide that service as well. What is the science behind that? And how does that even work? I mean, like, how does that work? Yeah. So there is no science behind it. Okay. Okay. So let's start there. There, There's science. Yeah. There is no um, scientific research that has been done to prove that it actually helps. We only have anecdotal evidence um, that says that it works. Who came up with the idea? Oh, it's been ancient. For, yeah, okay. it's it's an ancient tradition. I think women have been doing it since the beginning of time. So, okay. when, um, humans are the only mammals that actually don't really consume. So every other mammal on Earth actually does consume their placenta after they birth. Is it like delicious or something? Well, <laughs> I don't know about what, that. What makes them what what makes them want to so eat it? They know that those the hormones that. So I think instinctually, They just instinctually know. They know. I need that. I need what's in there. Exactly. So there's hormones in the placenta that we need in our, like, to restore our own. Correct. Are those hormones, like, progesterone? Yes. Okay. So everything progesterone, so uh, we can talk about that in just a second, but progesterone, um, estrogen, all of the things that we have an elevated amount of Uh during pregnancy, when that placenta comes out, it depletes us right okay and we actually need to reintroduce those hormones back into our body in order for us to kind of wean ourselves off of it at a slower rate as opposed to just dropping correct so so eating consuming our own placenta really actually helps us um like stave off the baby blues especially because the baby blues are when we can't stop crying because oh my god my hormones are gone where did you go that's exactly right so what we see a lot of women um say is that they have decreased baby blues they've got increased lactation um, your vaginal dryness is no longer an issue because mm-hmm. you're reintroducing um, the estrogen the, mm-hmm, yeah. back into your body. And then um, also we see moms that say that their um, their postpartum recovery is just quicker. Okay? okay. So what's happening essentially is we're reintroducing the hormones back into the body, allowing you to wean off of it at a slower rate in order for the body to rebalance. And how long does one take their encapsulated so, placenta? Um, they last for 60 days. Okay. Okay. The pills will last yeah. for 60 days. In the fridge. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we actually provide a tincture. So that's something that's got no shelf life. We make it out of vodka or bourbon. Oh. And you can keep it forever. So I actually have mine put away for menopause. You're kidding me. Mm-hmm. What? Oh my God. Yeah. So that's amazing. So you can, we, I, I've had um, uh, a friend of mine <laughs> actually who's going through perimenopause. Yeah. Um, she was like, I don't know what I'm, what I'm dealing with, but this is crazy. And I was like, well, I got some of my tincture. Do you want to try it? And she's like, heck yeah. So I gave her some and she, she the next day she's like, I don't know what was in that placenta <laughs> liquid, but she said, That's she's amazing. like, I've, I haven't slept as good as I've slept in months. She said, I had no night sweats. You know, all of the symptoms that we get during menopause were staved away by 
her so ingesting cool my placenta. That like we're able to solve these problems in such like incredibly miraculous ways. Like these things are in front of us and it's so cool. <laughs> I'm just like in yeah. awe right now. Yeah. So there's a, you do, you only do the tincture. You don't do the encapsulation. We you, do the okay. encapsulation, the tincture, and then we also provide a lotion. So okay. that's what our service does. We don't do any raw encapsulations. Okay. Um, there are some encapsulators out there that will do the raw method, but we find that it's safer for our clients to not okay. do that. Um, so it just really depends on, you know, your willingness and what you're open to. Oh, I'm like, so I'm listening to this and I'm like, there's no way that I'm not doing this next time I yeah. have a kid. Because it's like, if you've been through the baby blues, like, you know, like, I mean, I don't know, but for me, I would literally do anything, anything. To avoid having to go through that again. Yeah. And what I tell moms too is if you are in the up in the air about it, just right. take it home. Just take it home and freeze it because you don't get it back. Once the hospital takes it, they discard it. They either yeah. send it to, you know, a hospital to do testing and do research on that you don't know about, right? Right. Or they toss it as medical waste and you don't get that back. So take it with you is see how your postpartum experience is and then decide Here, because okay. we can always encapsulate later. Here's the question. I'm not sure if you know the answer to, but in the ancient times when, when women were consuming their placenta, like, they couldn't refrigerate it. So was it all happening at once? Do you know the answer to that? Like, you know, I don't know. I think, um, so when you, obviously they weren't encapsulating. And yeah. so I think that they were cooking it. Is, oh, okay. is a method that was used that even then and that people use now. Okay. So people sometimes will cook it kind of like a steak. Yeah. Uh, and, um, Traditionally, people would share it with the community. The family would eat it, the husband, the other children, the people, you know, the immediate family, mothers, cousins, sisters, aunts. It was all part of the ceremony to ingest the placenta. I never understood like the holy grail of hormones until I had a baby. Like, (laughs) oh, like hormones are like, they make her, they are everything. They're everything. And like, I am the happiest pregnant person in the entire world. Like part of my biggest struggle like with my life today is that like I'm just aware that that's like my happiest state but I can't be in it all the all time, the time right? and it's like okay I'm not supposed to be there all the time but I just know that I that that's that's where it's at for me um but it's made me focus so much more on like just generally taking care of myself when I'm not pregnant especially because our hormones like they they kind of decide how we're gonna be yeah yeah daily daily exactly <laughs> Okay, so you have five kids. Okay, three are adopted, two are your biological children, and you didn't have a doula though for the second one, did you? No, I didn't. Okay. So I actually didn't have a doula for either one. I had a really good friend that did my first, um, and she's a massage therapist, so she acted as a doula but didn't have like doula training. Um, but she was there to guide me, give me counter pressure and all that good stuff. Um, but for my second one, I didn't. I ha- I did it all on my own. You do love yourself. <laughs> I do love How myself. does that work? Okay, walk us through that. So, um, yeah, it, people think I'm crazy. So I, I, I truly am. I'm a workaholic. And um, I think getting into that zone helped me. And yeah. so um, essentially what happened, I had, uh, I woke up that morning, my water broke on my husband's birthday at 10 o'clock. Your son was born on your husband's my birthday. Husband, yes, my son so was born. On, yes, it was, it's amazing. So that whole week he was telling me, all I want for my birthday is my son. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll try to whip that up out of the sky for you. Let me just give me a second, right? Let me work that out. But um, so, yeah, so my water ended up breaking on my husband's birthday at like 1030 in the morning. He had just left to go to, to an event to go work. And um, I was at home and I'm like, oh, 
crap. Oh my God. Because <laughs> it was three weeks early. I wasn't due for another three weeks. So it was <gasps> oh, totally his wish. It was totally unexpected. Oh my God. It wasn't even supposed to be anywhere around. Was it like the birthday. big splash? Okay, I've never had like my water break. Was it like the big splash? Yes. Or was it like, okay, so yes. you knew. Because some people are like, I thought I was just peeing in my pants. Yeah, it can okay. it can go either way. So some some moms, it, it'll be like a slow leak. Yeah. And it just kind of comes out gradually. But and then some moms, it's a it's a explosion, if you will, of water. And it just gushes. It's and you're like, an explosion. Oh. oh, my God. Okay. So I was standing over my desk and um, I was getting ready to do a, a blog post, actually. Yeah. And I was taking pictures and, and my water broke. And so I was standing there. I wobbled back to the bathroom and called him and I said, my water just broke. And he said, do you, do you need me to come home? Like, what's is this serious? <laughs> That's what he said. Is this, is this real? Yeah. So I was like, no, That's I think I got so it. I think I got it. And so I just continued to work. And knowing that I was safe in my labor, that helps. Yeah. So, um, you know, knowing that you're in a safe space, knowing what your body is about to go through and how to get through it, that helps, you know, you get there. And so I just let labor do what it did. And the whole day I bounced on my birth ball. I typed away at my computer. I talked to my girlfriends. I answered phones for work. I told them, Hey, hold on. I'm having a contraction right now. Stop. Give me a second. And they're like, Oh my gosh. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, just give me a second. It'll be fine. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> you know, breathing through it. Oh my God. <laughs> and, um, and then Later that day, I, I went and picked up the kids from school. So I put my adult diaper on to <laughs> hold everything in. Your ki- Okay, so I was like terrified to drive. Like when I realized I was having contractions, I was like, I'm going to be on the road like giving yeah. birth. I, I, you know, I take, I take, you know, a challenge. I, I look at birth like a challenge. And so, okay, so I took it on like full full swing ready to go and so I put on you know the adult diapers that we tell all our clients to get it's so much easier during when your water breaks just to get a damn diaper just get a diaper okay like you buy like depends like a depends diaper okay yeah um so we tell them to get it for before you have the baby (laughs) and after that's amazing yeah Uh so we um I went and picked the kids up from school and you know I was like get in I'm laboring (laughs) you know and they're like mom you are crazy (gasps) oh my god did they come to the hospital with you they no they did not so I I birthed him at a birth center oh okay they came to the birth center no okay because it was the middle of the night and they had school the next day okay but what we did um so I got back home and my labor kind of stalled so I was going through if you know the ebb and flow of labor you go through like this down period right before transition hits because it's preparing your body for the most difficult part of labor right before right. you push so for about four hours um i was just hanging out i was watching tv yeah and it it slowed down and stalled so think about this if you're in the hospital during that phase they would call that failure to progress right because right. you're and not that's constantly when they usually had, administer like potassium. exactly because you're not constantly having contractions okay you're, you know, you're, you're stuck at a certain centimeter, but that's natural. That's yeah. what's supposed to happen. So I, um, I got tired of waiting and I started giving myself acupressure and, um, doing nipple stimulation. Is that okay yeah, for it's you? Okay. <laughs> no, I get, I, that's all the things my doula told me to do. I honestly think that was probably the thing that made me go into labor. Yeah. Like it works. It, it does work. Yeah. So I started doing those little tips and tricks. And the next thing I know, 30 minutes later, I was like, we have got to go. And I, we get to the birth center. I'm nine and a half centimeters upon arrival. What? Yep. And she's like, well, you're ready to go. And she puts me in the birth tub and um, I start. How are you not screaming? I just don't understand any of this. Okay, go ahead. I'm totally, sorry. <laughs> totally in it, right? You're lots of, in it. Lots of groaning. Were you were able and... to talk though? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, you're. 
when you're in transition, it's a little bit cloudy. Yeah. Okay. But you're like, Ugh, you know, yeah. you're making kind of guttural noises and you need all that in right. order to um, open up the pelvic floor and all that good stuff. So I um, was sitting in the birth tub and my, my midwife goes, what are you saying to yourself? Because I was talking. <laughs> she goes, what are you saying? And I was saying, calm down, Latina, you got this. Oh my Calm God. down, Latina, you got this. And I was dueling myself, literally. Oh my God. <laughs> rocking through it alone. <laughs> So. I can't. Yep. And my son was born at 1148. Right and before the, the stroke of midnight. My on hus- your husband's on birthday. On my husband's birthday. I hunkered down. and. Um, Were my, you aware of the time? Were you like, I got to get this baby well, out? Yeah, because my husband goes, oh, it's 11. He's, he's so funny. <laughs> 11. It's 1130. And we're not going to make it, is what he we're said. Not we're not going to make it. And I said, hold on. I got you. Give me a second. And I leaned back in the birth tub and I started, because you can feel your baby. So I started kind of like, you know, pushing my abdominal muscles and my pelvic floor in a certain way so that I could push him down and get him out. And uh, the next thing I knew, I was like, I got to push. I got the sudden urge to push. I screamed and said, I got to push. My midwife comes running from the other side of the building. My husband's going to run to meet her. And then next thing you know, two pushes later, He's he's out and... I got to deliver him myself. I pulled him and caught him myself. And, um, Oh my it, God. It was amazing. Was that just like exhilarating? Oh, absolutely. Being able to catch your own baby. It was amazing. So, so, so you had a water birth cause you kept mentioning the birth tub. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Very cool. with him, with my daughter, I was regular on my back legs up in the air, but, um, with him, I did a water birth. And so I let him stay kind of in the water for a little while and then transition real slowly out into my chest and, we sat there for, you know, 20 minutes in the tub and then got out and just snuggled on the bed. And we were back at home in three hours. What? Yeah. You were back at home in three hours. Back at home in three hours. My neighbors came over and to watch the older kids. And we walked back in the house and they're like, what are you doing here? And I was like, we're done. This we're is, done. Here's we the baby. The baby. <laughs> and they could not believe. <laughs> they were like, you're back at home with the baby. What, like, what does that even look like? Because we don't that that's not normal right in the med in the in the hospital you're there for two three days no and your your body healed much faster much faster okay. i went upstairs i stayed put for a week and yeah. yeah and that was it that was it oh my god birth is amazing it's an amazing experience so well i'm in awe of you latina seriously what a story and i'm very encouraged to at least try to get to maybe five centimeters next time no, Baby you can steps. hire I'm us kidding. You. i can hire you <laughs> Thank you for joining us. And if people want to learn more about you, they can go to your website, marleymoomaternity.com or follow you on Instagram at Marley and Moo. Um, That was Latina Baxter, everyone. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Look Ma No Hands. I'm Laura Max Rose, and you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Max Rose to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and the behind the scenes of my life with my own two daughters. If you like this episode and are enjoying Look Ma No Hands, the best way you can help me spread the word is to leave a review on Apple Podcast. This is the single best way to help me reach a larger audience and share these conversations with everyone who needs to hear them. If you love something you just heard, you can also take a screenshot of the episode and share it on social media. There might be someone you know who needs to hear what you just heard, and that's another great way to make sure they do. Thank you for joining me every week. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. More next time. Mom.